Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of shoulder imaging found under the shoulder and elbow section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin by discussing the radiographs that are included in a complete trauma series and what they help to evaluate. A shoulder AP helps with the evaluation of the glenohumeral joint space and degenerative joint disease. A Gracie view, which is a true AP of the shoulder, helps with the evaluation of the glenohumeral joint space, degenerative joint disease, and proximal migration of the humerus. An AP in external rotation helps with the evaluation of a Hillsax lesion. Similarly, an AP in internal rotation also helps with the evaluation of a Hillsax lesion. An axillary lateral helps with anterior and posterior dislocations and to evaluate the acromion. A Velpo view is an axillary lateral modification if the patient is unable to abduct the arm. And a scapular Y lateral helps with the evaluation of anterior and posterior dislocations. Now let's discuss additional views of the shoulder. A supraspinatus outlet view allows for classification of the acromion. Remember that it is a type 1 if it is flat, type 2 if it is curved, and type 3 if it is hooked. Also remember that a hooked acromion is associated with impingement and rotator cuff pathology. A Zenka view allows for visualization of the AC joint, and it shows AC joint disease and distal clavicle osteolysis. A striker notch view helps with the evaluation of a Hillsack's lesion. A West Point axillary view helps with the evaluation of the antero-inferior glenoid, a bony bank cart, and a proximal humerus fracture. A Garth view helps with the evaluation of the antero-inferior glenoid and a bony bank cart. A Hobbs view helps with the evaluation of an anterior and posterior sternoclavicular dislocation. And similarly, a serendipity view helps with the evaluation of an anterior and posterior sternoclavicular dislocation. Now let's discuss computed tomography of the shoulder. As a general overview, remember that it provides better detail of cortical and trabecular bone structures than MRI at a cost of higher radiation exposure. Therefore, it is optimal for visualization of bony defects, and magnification artifacts that are associated with radiographs do not occur with CT. Axial shoulder images are useful to visualize reverse Hillsack's lesions. Coronal shoulder images are useful to visualize fractures. And sagittal shoulder images are useful to visualize anterior inferior glenoid insufficiency. Three-dimensional reconstructions are useful to visualize the glenoid version for total shoulder arthroplasty. Now let's discuss magnetic resonance imaging of the shoulder. As a general overview, remember that MRI is best for evaluating soft tissue structures and evaluating bone contusions or trabecular microfractures. Also remember that the stronger the magnet, the higher the intrinsic signal-to-noise ratio. For example, a 3-Tesla MRI machine has 9 times the proton energy of a 1.5-Tesla MRI machine. A T1-weighted sequence uses a short repetition time, or TR, and a short echo time, or TE. Bright signal intensity typically represents fat, and dark signal intensity typically represents fluid, bone, ligament, bone marrow, and fibrocartilage. This sequence is often combined with MR arthrograms, and it is useful to visualize Hillsack's lesions. A T2-weighted sequence uses a long TR and a long TE. Bright signal intensity is typically representative of fluid or inflammation and bone marrow. Dark signal intensities typically represent bone, ligament, muscle, and fibrocartilage. It is useful to visualize rotator cuff pathology, such as a full thickness tear. A short tau inversion recovery or STIR sequence is a fat saturation or suppression technique. So it is a technique that reduces signal from fat and increases signal from fluid and edema. It helps to determine edema versus fatty infiltration in the rotator cuff muscles. So it is useful to visualize rotator cuff pathology. An abduction external rotation position or ABER is a sequence beyond the conventional three sequences, which are coronal, sagittal, and axial. 
The patient places the affected hand behind their head instead of a true 90-90 degree of abduction external rotation position. The position tensions the anterior inferior glenohumeral ligament and labrum and relaxes the capsule. It is useful to visualize Bankart lesions, partial and full thickness tears of the rotator cuff tendons, and internal impingement. An MR arthrogram is commonly used to augment MRI to diagnose soft tissue problems such as slap tears. The technique involves dilute gadolinium-containing solution being percutaneously injected into the joint. It is optimal for labral and ligament pathology, such as Bankart lesions, superior labrum anterior to posterior tear, glenoid labral articular disruption, anterior labral periosteal sleeve avulsion, and humeral avulsion of the glenohumeral ligament. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to shoulder imaging, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. The proton energy produced by a 1.5 Tesla magnetic resonance imaging machine most closely approximates what percentage of a 3.0 Tesla machine? And the answer choices are choice 1, 11%, choice 2, 1%, choice 3, 66%, choice 4, 33%, or choice 5, 99%. The best answer to this question is choice one, 11%. The proton energy produced is about nine times greater for a 3.0 Tesla MRI machine compared to a 1.5 Tesla machine. The publication by Cousins et al. reports that the magnetic field strength is an important factor in achieving a high signal to noise ratio and contrast. They state that other factors that affect this ratio include the sample size, the T1 and T2 relaxation factors, and the number of averages or excitations. That's all for this review about shoulder imaging. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the OrthoBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the OrthoBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the Or the Bullets podcast.